Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Investor Lab, the auditory and visual, the audio-visual epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. And in case you don't know by now on this podcast, we talk about all kinds of stuff. We talk about personal development, property investing, wealth, all kinds of good stuff designed to empower you and to expand your potential as a property investor and a wealth and freedom seeker and a real estate entrepreneur. So today though, I we did something a little, a little different. I had the opportunity to speak with Darren Younger, who is the CEO of a disruptive prop tech startup. I don't even really a startup, disruptive prop tech innovation company uh, called Bricklet. Now, the model around Bricklet I found personally fascinating, which is why I wanted to explore the conversation with Darren. Now, we don't have any financial integration obligation or otherwise. This is not a sponsored uh, episode. The reason that I wanted to get Darren on is because I really believe that this kind of thinking is going to change the way people invest in Australia. And so to give you a little breakdown so you know what you're going to be in for in this episode, the idea around Bricklet is that you can take your property and break it up into smaller parts. So uh, break it up into Bricklets essentially and then people can own portional aspects of the title, which is a lot different from say investing in a fund or something like that. So it's a very new way to think about property investing. And I personally think that the potential with this idea is massive. Um, So I I thought it would be really valuable for you, the listener or the viewer, to start to explore these kind of ideas yourself and maybe change the way you think about your property investing journey and also what is possible and the way that you can do this kind of stuff. So we talked about all kinds of stuff. We talked about innovation. We talked about you know, how to actually break apart a title. We talked about what the kind of returns are and all those kind of stuff. We really dig into like what Bricklet is, how you can use it, and the opportunities you might be able to start thinking about, whether it be private, public, or otherwise, to really advance your property investing journey in a, in a new and exciting way. So I'm very confident you're going to get a lot out of it because when I first, uh, when I first had a conversation with Darren, my mind started racing in about 10 million different directions. And I think that if you listen closely and think about how this could be an opportunity for you and in your, at least, at least the thinking, you know, the thinking is the most important thing about this episode. Change the way you think about property and you're going to change your potential. Because I know, you, I know you're going to get a lot out of it. So uh, without any further ado, we're going to get stuck into it. Enjoy the conversation. And of course, if you have enjoyed, if you do enjoy this episode and if you've enjoyed other episodes, and if you love getting a bit of me or Gabby or anyone else in your ear holes, then please share the love. Share this around. It doesn't take much effort for you to share this with a friend, somebody who might enjoy the content or the ideas or want to be, wants to be part of the community, but it means a lot to us. We're very committed to empowering our real estate investors and your help to do that it means the world to us. Now, if you want to take this a little further and if you want to explore the ideas around property investing, if you want to help to build a safe, reliable, repeatable, robust, profitable property portfolio that can survive and thrive no matter what happens in politics or the economy, then I encourage you to go to theinvestorlab.com.au and find the many ways that we can help. We've got books, we've got free resources, we've got our online community, which is an amazing place to be if you really want to accelerate your property potential. And of course, we've got our buyer's agency service too. So go there, check it out and find the best way that we can help you because we love you and we want to serve. And just remember, make sure you subscribe, share, like, do all the good stuff and give us a bit of love back. We really appreciate it. Thanks. 
I'll see you on the inside. Hello and welcome. Joining me today on the Investor Lab is someone that I'm very excited to have a conversation with. His name is Darren Younger. Now, he's a little different to some of the other guests that we've had on this show and I'm, and I'm, I'm very, very interested to see where this goes. He's got a background and I'm going to ask him about this. I'm going to ask you about this in a moment, Darren, but you've got a background as in innovation and technology and all kinds of, all kinds of stuff which has kind of led to why I ended up you know, finding out about, about you and about the company. So what we're going to talk about today is fragmented property and, and we're going to explore whether this really is the future of real estate investing. But Darren, welcome to the Investor Lab. Great. Thanks for having me. So Matt, I want to... Um, I have got a lot of questions, okay? So normally when I roll into these uh, episodes, I've sort of got like four general things and I like to just spearhead in, in lots of different directions. But I've been reading a lot about um, Bricklet and I am fascinated by the, not only what it is, but also what the potential is because my personal passion is about empowering real estate investors and real estate entrepreneurs to be able to achieve more, do more, all of that kind of stuff. So I'm always looking at new ways that we can innovate and what we can provide to our audience. So why don't we just get things started on a little lightly and see where we go. What the hell is a bricklet? <laughs> it's a really good place to start, I guess. Um, so um, a bricklet is, the easiest way to think about bricklet is it's a fragment of a property. So the way that um, the bricklet platform works is that we take a, a property or a land title and we fragment it into smaller pieces. And then those pieces are then sold individually. So when you buy a bricklet, you're actually buying a piece of an investment property. It's really, really simple. And your name is actually on land title. So you actually own that piece of property. So... What is the title structure of that, actually? So it uses tenants in common. Um, so all the, all the owners of bricklets are also on title as tenants in common. And what the platform does is it automates the process of that, of that purchase and transfer later on as well. Okay. All right. So there's a bit time packing. I think we need to give people a little bit of a backstory. What is, like, how, tell us a little bit about how you, so, so you're currently the CEO of Bricklet. Bricklet has been named by... Uh, AFR is one of the the prop tech startups to watch in 2020 this year, yeah. And, and amongst amongst some others, but I've got to say, Bricklet really got my attention, which is why. But what what has led you to why, why why did you start Bricklet? Because your background is in is in prop tech and innovation and entrepreneurship, right? Yeah, correct. So it was really around, um, you know, with uh, Lakiva Group, who's the parent uh, company, you know, talking to a number of people, a uh, number of um, colleagues and a number of friends, you know, what, what we look at is trying to make the, you know, make the future better. And one of the things that, that keeps coming up was the ability to buy into property and, and that the property market is becoming harder and harder to get into as it gets more and more expensive. And so, you know, people were looking at, well, can, how can I buy a piece of property? Um, and then looking at, you know, the different structures around that have been around for fractionalization. Um, they don't really kind of fit the bill when it comes to actually owning the property. And so we looked at how we could actually do that. Um, after we kind of explored it a little bit, we, we spoke with a few of the um, land registry services in a number of states. We worked with New South Wales, we worked with South Australia um, specifically and, and launched a pilot with them uh, to, to test the concept and it worked really well. Okay, so 
tell me a little bit about that. Like what, what made you go, like what about traditional property investing made you think, okay, this is not good enough and we need to do something else? Yeah, I think the main thing is um, when you're starting to build a portfolio, it's, um, it's really about how you can create that diversification. If you look at property across Australia, if you wanted to take a bet um, and have you know, one investment property, that's great. But then you're kind of stuck with that suburb and hoping that that suburb growth you know, goes yeah. really well. Where you know, if I could take that same amount of money and invest it across different properties, different property types even, and then um, have more of a portfolio play, I would feel much more at ease when it comes to um, the ups and downs that, that come with property assets. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So was that like, what was the, what was the main inspiration for this though? Cause I'm, I'm interested. This is not, this is not a normal train of thought. Like most people are like, Oh, I want to diversify by state. I'll just go buy in different states or, or I'll just go and buy different types of products. So what actually made you really, what was the fuel that you went? No, no, I think that this is, I think that this is what the Australian public and, and if I'm read correctly, the, the world public needs. Like what is, like wh- where, where did that come from? Where was that pain point for you? Yeah, and I, I think that was mainly the entry into the property market. You know, um, the, the challenges around the, the growing prices of property and being able to actually access property. So there's also a number of trends, you know, there's um, like people are really interested now in or it's becoming very popular around rent vesting. So people that are, are renting to, you know, to invest, um, they, you know, again, you know, similar problem, you know, um, you can either invest in one property or maybe you don't even have enough saved up. So let's find a way that they can uh, invest in property much earlier and start to build a portfolio and accelerate that portfolio in a way that, you know, would be much more beneficial to those that have got less cash available. That makes sense. It definitely solves a big problem because I know that like from my perspective, so I'm, you know, mid thirties, crikey, I feel like I'm getting old. Um, I'm in my mid thirties, but so many of my peers are still stuck with the idea that they're never going to be able to own property. Uh, it's going to be out of reach and it almost demonizes property ownership in a, in a certain way as well. I'm really big on trying to democratize property investing. And I think that this is a really good solution for it. But why don't we just take a little step back? Okay. So you're a property investor. You're obviously interested in technology, innovation, uh, all of that kind of stuff, and which is, which is exciting. You've seen a way that um, we can democratize property investing, allow people to get into it at a lower price point, um, diversify across different asset types so they don't have to hedge um, purely on one potential solution and hope, find hope gives them the ability to diversify. So let's just take a little step back then and let's just kind of just kind of touch back on. So how does t- tell us a little bit about Bricklet as a how does it actually work? Okay, so you can buy you buy bits of a title like how does it work and and what how is this different from how is this different from fractional investing or stuff that people might have seen in the past? Yeah, sure. I mean, Bricklet is really simple in the way that it works around from a user's point of view. You log into the platform, you um, first of all do your ID checks because you're buying property. Then you are looking around at all the different Bricklets for sale. Um, You select the ones that you want and you uh, deposit the money and, and, and make the purchase. All the all the processing and all the, the land registry transfers and everything is all done automatically in the back end. Um, you know, it's made it a lot easier these days with, um, with PEXA now that we've got e-conveyancing because that helps um, a lot of the, the processing to be automated. The, um, the difference between that and 
you know, the, the, the more traditional fractionalization or fractional investment platforms is that the owner of the bricklet is on land title, right? Um, and that might, you know, you might go, okay, well, that, what does that, you know, does that really mean much? But it does actually mean a lot to a lot of property investors that they're actually on land title. It means that you can actually select and choose and change over time as well, right? So if I wanted to buy a bricklet in Brisbane, in Sydney, in Melbourne, uh, and in Adelaide, and then, you know, later on I want to change that choice and I want to buy more, I actually get the choice to make, you know, those specific investments around property. So, so does, does that also mean that you can use it for security? Yes. So there's a big difference there. Um, and that's a fundamental difference, especially when it come, comes to, um, you know, what returns can you make on your money, right? So yeah. we're working with, uh, so we've got a finance product that's just launched uh, for bricklets. So you can borrow up to 100% for your bricklet. Um, that means that now we can leverage to buy bricklets. So if you think about someone who has five or $10,000 saved, and then they can buy a thirty, $40,000 bricklet and into the property market and be leveraged on that, investment then that you know starts to become very powerful totally i'm going to come back to that in a moment because i think it's a really interesting um thing i did a i did a bit of digging into that um into the finance side of of this product as well but so just to kind of like take a little step back though back to sort of fractional fragmenting and all this kind of stuff if i'm hearing you correctly if someone invests in a REIT, because there's a very there's a very simplistic view that this is is this a REIT? Is this just like how does this work? Now, if I'm hearing you correctly, if someone invests in a REIT or someone invests in a fractional product or or something like that, they're essentially investing in a in a fund. They're putting their money into a pool and they're going okay. Within that pool, I'm going to get a I'm going to put in say ten thousand dollars and I'm going to get a, a, an expected X return. Whereas, it sounds like Bricklet is a little bit more like okay, I'm going to take a house. I'm going to chop it up in different bits, like actually chop it up into different bits and everyone can have a piece. Is that kind of a more simplistic way? Of yeah, absolutely. It? That's exactly right. So, <laughs> um, you know, we're actually chopping up the property and you're buying a piece of the property. Absolutely. Yes, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's really interesting because you own a part of the title as opposed to just having your money in a fund. Yeah, that, correct. Then that does give you what well, gives you ownership, as opposed to just as opposed to just investing. Because and I guess that's is that yeah. kind of the main distinction between that and say shares or something like. Well, it's more um, it's more indirect versus direct, right? So indirect when it comes to REITs and, and property funds, um, where you're just putting money in and you know letting them make all the decisions and give you a return. You must you know. Doesn't matter if it's property or, or what's getting invested in, right? If you want to take yeah. that approach, whereas um, you know the difference between, I guess, Bricklet and and shares, like trading on the ASX, the only difference there is is, is what asset class do you want to buy? You know, yeah, so if you're if you're it's it's really simple. If you want to buy into property, um, here's a way to do it. Like the ASX, um, it's, it, uh, that's probably a good way to think about it. It's like an ASX for for property in a in a kind of way because it enables you to trade smaller pieces of property. Yeah, in the true. same way the ASX is, is trading smaller pieces of companies. Totally. I hadn't actually drawn that distinction between being a shareholder of a company. Like you are actually, in essence, owning a piece of the title, in a sense, right, of a business, yeah. right? Uh, so, so, okay, cool. All right. So, how many, um, can, can, can any property, can any property be brickletted? Can any, can any property be busted up into bricklets? Can anyone do it? Or <laughs> yeah. How does this work? Yeah. I like to use the word brickletized. That's the new bricletized. word. Okay. Brickletized. <laughs> can any property be brickletized? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so long as it's got a land title, it can be bricklatized. So that's the that's the easy way to think about it. Um, we're also looking at uh, some development projects where 
if you think about the build to rent model, the uh, the advantage of the bricklet model is that you know you could have even a full development of a number of townhouses or a number of apartments. You could take the whole block um, and bricklatize the whole thing and actually have bricklet holders be a share of the entire pieces as opposed to breaking it up into apartments. So it adds to the diversification that we can actually create through bricklet. So we've got one at the moment. Um, there was one that was done earlier this year that's a seven townhouse uh, development in uh, the northern beaches of Sydney and the bricklet owners actually own all seven. So when, it, when it's rented out, then you're actually sharing in the rent across all seven. So you're not even, um, you know, you're not even limited to the risk of having one tenant. Totally. But conversely as well. So like, well, like one of the appeals of say buying a unit block, let's just say it's a four pack, right? One of the appeals of buying a unit block would be, oh, maybe I can strata it and then I could sell off like one apartment if I needed it to keep the rest. And there's those kind of benefits. And if someone is doing this, like, uh, I guess a small townhouse development, say four to, you know, four or five townhouses, a lot of the time it's like build four, sell two, keep two or something like that because it, because of just the, the economics of, you know, of small yeah. development or all of that kind of stuff. But this is a little bit more like, well, I could buy a unit block and I could sell half of one apartment and keep three, and, three, keep three yeah. and a half. Well, if you think of it another way, yeah, you, you know, if we had a four apartment block on, on Bricklet, let's just say you cha- you'd break it into... Um, you know, 100 bricklets across all four apartments, right? So then you're selling yeah. off, you know, in a different way. Is this, is this, is this like, how does this work with banking? Right? Let's, just, let's just say, let's just say a hypothetical scenario. I own my house outright, right? I own a $500,000 house and I own it outright and it's all mine. And then I just want some money. Like I just want to, but I don't want to go to the bank. You know, let's just say I'm a retiree, right? Let's just say I'm yeah. a retiree. And I own my house outright and I don't want to go to the bank anymore. Um, but I want to liquidate a little bit of my house and go on holiday, for example. Could, is that, an, is that, is my thinking correct here? Yeah, like- absolutely. Absolutely. So <laughs> we're actually, um, we're actually looking at that right now. And it's actually, you know, so if you, if you own it outright, you could absolutely do that. We're also looking at, again, with the financial institution we're working with, with to offer um, a mortgage product to go with the bricklet loans so that if you've got, because we're working through a scenario where let's just say you've got um, someone who has a distressed mortgage, right? They're, they're kind of under a bit of pressure, um, but they don't want to move out of their home. Yep. So we can actually bricketize it, give them a mortgage or the, the financial services company gives them a mortgage on the, the remaining piece and then we bricketize the rest. So effectively, you're going to have a mortgage on 70% of your property or 70, and the other 30% is sold off as bricklets on the bricklet platform. Fascinating. Okay, so if we take this to a different perspective, um, I don't have an agenda here. I just want to push and pull this around in a lot of different ways. If we take this to a different perspective, is there any reason that this isn't, um, like, say, democratizing syndication? So, for example, and syndication may be the wrong word from from a technical perspective, yeah. but but could I could I uh, could I go to um, I don't know ten mates and say, guys, I found this. In fact, there's an amazing there's a there's a I'm here I'm in Bond, I'm in Bondi right and and there's a there's a big commercial residential opportunity in Bondi. It's like it's like a shopping strip plus apartments up the top. I don't know. It'd be it'd be you know. Well, well over ten million dollars, and, and you know, probably closer to twenty-five. I obviously don't have twenty-five million dollars, but could I go to a bunch of mates and go, "Hey, guys, let's all let's all go and bricklet this"? Like, is that a way that you can go about it? Like, how Absolutely. would that kind of structure work? 
Yeah, absolutely it can. Um, and, it's, and it's still not a co-investing model, right? All you're doing is you're bringing a project to Bricklet, putting it on the platform and bringing the 10 buyers as well. So those 10 buyers are still independent buyers of Bricklets. Um, there's no kind of co-ownership with that, but effectively you have bought all the Bricklets between all your mates, right? So we're actually working that, that model. If you think about that, um, we're actually got a number of um, buyers agents that are doing exactly that. They're really excited because they can find bigger properties um, they can put on the Bricklet platform and sell it down to their clients as, as you know, still, still good investment property. Yeah. I mean, personally, that's why I'm super excited about it. So, um, you know, from, from my perspective, we serve clients in a number of ways. You know, we have our online membership uh, platform, which helps to create a community, educate and inspire uh, people as well. And, and I think there's a great opportunity for, for the democratization of, of diversification in that sense. But obviously, we run a buyer's agency service as well. And a lot of people want more than they can afford. Right? And finding a way that we can bring community together and support that in a meaningful way so that people can achieve more, get better returns and, and do more in a more liquid fashion with lower risk and greater diversification, I think is something that is actually really important to be able to bring to the table. I think it's very important. But if I wanted to go and put, say, say this $25 million uh, mixed-use uh, asset, if I wanted to go and sling it on Bricklet and start to raise capital, like what kind of, how would I, like what kind of structure would I need to, like do I need to have, do I need to have control over that property or how does it work? It's not, it doesn't, I don't think, it's not like crowdfunding, right? <laughs> no, it's not like crowdfunding at all. So, um, I mean, I guess it just, if you look at the property life cycle, it's probably an easy way to understand it, right? So if I'm going to buy into a property what's completed, then um, it might cost me a million dollars. If I buy into a property that is yet to be developed, let's say it might cost, you know, I might be able to buy into that at say $600,000 and knowing that there's another, you know, $100,000 to spend on it or $200,000 or whatever, right? So the way that the bricklet model works is coming in at that earlier stage, you actually get access to the property at at an earlier stage, but you're still buying the bricklets, you're still on title, but you can actually ride that upside. So it's just a different way of looking at the project. Okay, is there any limitation on the types of properties, or like what is this more? Is this more for new properties developments? Can you do commercial? Like, what are the? Where's this best? Where does this best fit? Yeah, I mean, there's no real limitation. Um, we're already looking at the first commercial uh, property at the moment, and like I said at the before, it's it's the real um, opportunity here is for anything that's on land title, right? So we're also looking at as far as you know, looking at rural farms or even solar farms that want to um, sell down the solar farm land and operate a lease on the land. So, you know, there's so many different variations that you could go down so long as it's a land title and we can cut it up into small pieces. How small can you cut it up? Well, that's a good question. I mean, we're limited to around, we look at it at a a kind of bottom price of around $20,000 and the main reason is for um, the stamp duty, right? So if, uh, let's say, you know, at some point in the future, stamp duty disappears, then there's no real kind of limit to how low we can go. It just changes the percentage of that cost as the lower you go below that point. Why does stamp duty, why, like why specifically does stamp duty stop you being able to go below $20,000? Is it just um, because it doesn't, yeah, doesn't make sense or? Yeah, it's just, it's the percentage of the cost, right? So if we bring the brick price down to 10000 or 5000 there are certain fees and charges that don't come down in the same way. So you might end up paying 10% or 20% of the purchase price in duties. Got it. Okay. 
Yeah, got it. Okay, so it ceases to be economically viable at a certain yeah. um, re- regression point. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. So from an investor's perspective, are they it sounds good. Like you could you could own a piece of a Turak mansion, you could own a piece of an apartment, you could own a piece of a uh, commercial asset. Like what what are the kind of returns people can get? Is there any kind of like where, where does this is there any kind of expected returns that people can get or is it literally just based on the asset? You could go buy a, a 15% yielding commercial asset and have yeah. $100,000 stake and get a 15, 15 Yeah, it's purely, it's purely based on the asset and what that asset is, you know, what that asset is going to return. I mean, it's no different to buying the full property. You're just buying a smaller piece of it. All right. Okay. So we've spoken about, uh, we've spoken about quite a lot of stuff. So it sounds like there's a lot of upside, but the natural question that, so one of my um one of my favorite books is do you read much actually uh, a little okay it's got to have pictures it's got to have pictures <laughs> keep it simple okay got it <laughs> do you listen to podcasts where do you actually I'm I'm interested let's segue for a second what yeah. is like where do you draw your inspiration from like where do you uh, get your where do you get your inputs yeah I mean my my inspiration comes from I mean I, I like anything that's innovative really I mean you know anything that's cutting edge and and is you know futuristic that's where you know, my inspiration really comes from. And so, so how do you digest that? Because it's, do you just surf apps? Is that how you spend your Yeah, time? pretty much. Just, you know, there's different <laughs> kind of podcasts, there's different, you know, websites and just kind of getting the news, you know, I mean, a lot of different innovation kind of websites and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. One of my, uh, one of my favorite books is a book called uh, The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. And he always says in any uh, decision or any kind of business proposition, you got to look at three questions. What's the upside? What's the downside? And can I live with the downside? Right. It's pretty simple, but it, you know, a lot of people don't ask that question and they're not, they're yeah. not, they don't confront the brutal facts about each of those. Everyone's very good at seeing the upside. Everyone's like, oh yeah, it's gonna, I'm gonna make a million bucks. It's gonna be fantastic. But they're yeah. very, very bad at, um, at analyzing the downside because no one likes to be scared. Everyone likes to be hopeful and they don't like to be scared. So naturally, you go, well, it won't be that bad. She'll be right. So I like to really, really, really dig into it. In my decision making process, I always think like, what is the absolute worst that could happen? Is it death? And could would I be okay with that? Right. So. My question to you is, what is the downside? And I don't want you to, I want you to take your salesman hat off. And I want, yeah, sure. Like, like, why isn't, why doesn't every, like, why doesn't everyone just invest like this forever? Like, why isn't this the only way that people invest? The, I guess the only, the real downside potential is only if people, you know, don't like to buy property or if it, um, you know, if if the only real way that people like to buy property is to buy whole properties, you know, it would take away the, the need for, for bricklet. It's um you know the there's we're using the regulation around land title and around you know uh, we're not changing anything um, there so that we don't really have any regulatory risk. In fact, you know it will probably only work in our favour if you believe some of the rumours that are that are in the media at the moment around stamp duty. Um, the only um, real downside as far as the platform and the risk is concerned is more around the liquidity, right? Making sure that we've got enough people to buy your bricklets when you want to sell them later. That's a really good point. That is a really good point. Because <laughs> if the kind of modus operandi for it is to increase the liquidity, because that's kind of the big thing, right? So one of the big differentiation points between property and shares and the reasons, you know, property is great, safe as houses, but it's way less liquid, which is a yeah. good thing because it's less volatile, right? So yeah. when you look, then when you look at, um, you know, just take a little glance at the ASX over the last few months and, and it's like, woo, it's all over the joint, right? So yeah. that liquidity can cause a lot of issues. 
how do you yeah. how do you see this kind of model changing that liquidity equation and is it going to make property more volatile because one of the one of the saving graces of property is that people can't like yes people act emotionally with their investments and whatever their decision and consumer sentiment drives price growth and all that kind of stuff but it's a lot harder for people to just i don't know get drunk and accidentally just buy up a few bits or sell them or you know go on a, you know have a breakdown and like you know there's less emotional volatility in property because it takes yeah. a lot longer time so do you think yeah. this is going to increase the volatility of the property market uh, it, it has the potential to but i mean at the end of the day the the asset is still property right so um you know people will still understand that there's a property value you know behind it and i guess it's the way that people value that property it's no different to you know with the asx you might buy shares at a price like even if you looked at it now it'd be really interesting to see you know what the external companies that do all the research are saying about the value of the share prices of each of the different companies is it undervalued is it overvalued and i think we would see the same thing with bricklets you know people will be saying you know the bricklets in that property you know because we'll start to talk about things like the market cap of bricklets being the value of the property versus the value of the property being driving the bricklet price if that makes sense yeah just want to explain it a little more <laughs> so so at the moment um if i said you how much do these bricklets you know it take a million dollar property right first of all you go okay i'm used to property being valued as the property so it's a million dollar property so if there's um let's say there's 40 bricklets they're twenty five thousand dollars each yeah um so that's easy because you go okay property value is one million these are worth twenty five thousand dollars now let's say those 40 bricklets go up to thirty thousand dollars so what i mean by market cap is if you do the math and go okay thirty thousand times 40 is 1.2 mil so by somebody trading that bricklet ultimately you're saying the value of the overall property is worth 1.2 million in the same way that when shares change in value you know you get these intrinsic valuations of companies you know like if you look at you know microsoft and amazon being valued at 1 trillion dollars it's not because someone's saying they're worth 1 trillion dollars it's because the number of shares times the share price equals 1 trillion dollars so why in that in that exact example why would the bricklet price go up, but the property price not go up? Because what I'm hearing is that there's a disparity between the true value and the market value. And why, yeah, would, sure. those, why would those two things differentiate? So, so the, the, well, there's an intrinsic value in the multiplier of the bricklets, right? So if you take, um, if you took two properties um, that are next door to each other, right? And, and you could even go full apartment blocks or whatever and say, okay, this one's, this one's bricketized, this one's not, right? One would get valued on its being as a property, but the other one, is being valued on whatever the bricklet owners decide, right? The last trade price of the bricklet. So, you know, it, it adds that um, ability for the prices to be different for a bricketized property versus a, um, a non-bricketized property. So it starts to really, you know, if you think that forward, you know, if, if all goes to plan, you know, five, 10 years time, and we've got a significant number of properties on the bricklet platform, uh, they're getting valued by the price of the bricklet, not by the price of, not by a valuer, so valuers will always have their job in the same way that the research companies look at an ASX company and say, you know, we think it's worth this, you know, but it's a different way to think of it. Hmm. So it's sort of like, so if you get an apartment block of a thousand apartments and let's say they're all exactly the same, right? And they're all worth, I don't know, 500, they're all bought for $500,000, right? Yeah. Uh, but if someone has a fire sale, they get divorced and they're just like, I'll sell it for $100,000. That instantly devalues all of the other apartments 
Potentially, yeah. Well, no, I mean, it does. Like it does yeah. because, because of the way the valuers will then look sure. at it and go, well, they're yeah. all, all of the ones, they're all two bedrooms and well, that one sold for hundred grand. So, so it devalues them. So there, there is an element that it could, it could be good and it, it could be good and it could be bad, right? And, and like, yeah. I mean, I'm just playing devil's advocate here because there could, because it could be a situation where, I don't know, there's a coronavirus and people freak out and they just want to like liquidate their bricklets. But I, I understand your point because because the perceived value will dictate the trading price, and in fact, and in fact, the liquidity aspect and the accessibility of it actually has the potential to multiply the property. Because if you said, well, let's just say it was a ten million dollar property, way less buyers in that price range. However, the opportunity for people to get into a ten million dollar property might be might be more exciting than buying a smaller property, therefore they may pay a premium to own a bricklet in that property. Is that the sort of thinking? Yeah. I mean, and not necessarily a premium, right? So, I mean, if we look at the first commercial property we're looking to put on the platform is, 10, is actually a $10 million property, right? So how many people that have got the access ability to a $10 million commercial asset, but if we broke it into $50,000 bricklets, how many people could actually buy a $50,000 bricklet of a $10 million commercial asset? Now it starts to change the game. That does change. That does, that does, that does change the game. My my brain. I'm like I'm like right. We're going to buy some shopping centers. Let's go. <laughs> okay. So I mean, like, is is this? I know you. Last time we had a conversation, you mentioned that this was only just becoming available retail to the average mum and dad investor. Is it still the case? Yes, absolutely. So, um, the the way that um, I think it's it's open to the to the public now because the way um, the platform is effectively a fragmented property platform, right? So all we're doing is we're taking those properties and we're splitting them up. We're not an investment platform. Um, you know, we're not an investment product. We're purely a platform for creating smaller pieces of property. It makes sense. So it's yeah, okay. So it's almost like it's almost like realestate.com, but it's just selling a different product. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, so cool. So this is now available to the average investor. Now, I was actually really fascinated to read about some of the technology behind the product. Could you just do sort of explain what the because you're a prop tech innovator first and foremost if I'm if I understand this correct. So do you want to tell us a little bit about, aside from the big idea that we can just go and chop up titles and everyone can own a bit and trade them? That sounds good. That's the big idea. But how does, yeah. it, how does it actually, what is the technology that's facilitating this? So the, um, so the underlying technology is, um, so I guess the main piece that, that people ask me about is, is how does blockchain fit into this? Because, you know, we, we talk about blockchain as being a part of um, the underlying ledger. And the easiest way to explain it is that when, um, when you look at the land title and you see the tenants in common, if you have a look today, um, you would see all the people that currently own the bricklets. So let's say I buy a bricklet and I sell it to you and then so you're on land title and now I'm not on land title. So if I look at the land title, I'd see your name and not my name. What the blockchain does is it actually keeps a record of that history. So it knows that I had it first and then you had it. So it's more of a way um, that we track the actual ledger of the transactions over time. Why do you need to do that? Like, why do you need to use blockchain to do that? Surely, and I don't want to sound like a like a luddite, but surely, 
Surely you could just have a big Excel spreadsheet and go, well, <laughs> yeah, David, David sold it to Sam and Sam sold it to Mary. And, you know, like, yeah. why does it need to be, why why is what's blockchain got to do with it? I mean, without going into all the details around why why blockchain is, you know, makes that kind of audit trail really efficient and, and transparent, the, um, you know, the fundamental is that we want to have a way to capture that uh, history and blockchain does it in a really, you know, really efficient and um, transparent way. Interesting. It really just provides the trust around that that history. Yep. Okay. I want to just go off on a little uh, tangent here, but where do you see blockchain technology fitting with within the uh, overarching uh, financial and uh, commercial sector in the future of Australia? You've got a you're you're passionate on uh, future tech and all of that kind of stuff, and I see there's a lot of talk, particularly through this um, current coronavirus period of time of uh, decentralized uh, decentralized money and all of this kind of stuff how do you see yep. blockchain how do you see blockchain uh, participating or or contributing or or you know impacting broader aspects of society do you think that's something that's going to be yeah I mean I, I think it will I think it will have an impact I think that's you know trying to find the right use cases it is a good technology and it's really just what what industries and what use cases make sense to you know having that value yeah Makes sense. Cool, awesome, man. So we've covered a lot, we have covered a lot of ground here, uh, and I think this is going to be a very interesting topic for a lot of people because this is fairly this whole idea of fragmented property is a is a very new idea, and on a personal level, I can see there's a lot of potential for it. What is the what is like the we meant we kind of went to liquidity a, a moment ago, but how many people need to be buying and selling brick for bricklets for it to be a viable concept for the long term? Yeah, I mean, it's really just making sure that there's buyers available when, when bricklets go for sale. You know, like the, the advantage that we have is that the underlying asset is a, um, you know, is property, right? So yeah. people don't typically buy property today and then sell it tomorrow or do day trading on property because, you know, the, the value doesn't change that much over a very short period of time. Yeah. So it's really about making sure that we've got enough buyers as sellers, you know, come onto the market and we've got various ways of doing that. Awesome. Awesome. Mate, I'm really excited to see where this goes. I'm going to be following this uh, very closely and I've got, I'm, I'm starting to hatch some big ideas of how we can utilize this for our, for our clients. But um, mate, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Is there anything else that you want to share with people about this? Because it is a big idea. It's a big, it's a big new concept that people are going to have to wrap their heads around. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, is there any is there any uh, anything else that we sort of haven't covered that you think would be beneficial in serving our audience to understand the ideas better and how they might be able to start implementing it as part of their own property investing strategy? Yeah, sure. I think the only thing is, I mean, because it is so new, credibility is always the question, right? Um, you know, and you know, I guess two things to answer that is one is you know if you look back over time. You know, when Uber first came out, people were scared to get in other people's cars. You know, there was, you know, a lot of different, you know, technologies that we use every day now that, you know, in the very first instance was a little bit scary and now people just use it day in, day out. So, you know, it is it is early days, but, you know, it's not like, you know, new innovation, you know, it, it, it will evolve and it will grow. Um, the I guess the other, the other thing to mention is that, you know, in the early days, we also have Mervac and Stockland as investors into the platform. And, you know, they see this as a great channel to market as well, right? So it really just adds a lot of that credibility to the, the you know, big industry players that are also getting behind us. 
Yeah, nice, nice. Well, mate, I'm very excited to uh, I'm very excited to see how this uh, evolves over the coming months and years and and so on. So let's keep in touch. Maybe let's um, maybe let's circle back. Maybe let's circle back in like 12 months and we can talk about how it's grown and and how it's starting to impact property investors Australia wide. Now, I will chuck a um, link to um, the Bricklet platform in the show notes. So if people want to check it out, they can do that. Um, there's no we have no financial integration or orientation or any kind of arrangement with Bricklet, but I do think it's a um, I do think it's a a unique opportunity for people to expand their potential and to expand the way they're thinking about their property investing journey. I think I can see a lot of potential. So, Darren, thanks so much for your time today. I really enjoyed the conversation. No, great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's been been a good conversation. It's been good. It's been good, mate. I'll uh, we'll wrap it up. And thanks so much again. And we'll see you later on. Okay. Thanks. <laughs>